welcome to the weekly quorum. As you join us in this virtual room, come with attitude of thanksgiving. Posture your heart. I'm just going to welcome the spirit of the sovereign Lord. Father, we welcome you. Spirit of the Sovereign Lord, we bless your holy name. We praise you, Lord, because you are the Most High God. You are El Shaddai, El Elyon. You are El Roy. You are he who sits amongst the congregation of the gods. Lord, before you there was no God formed. You are Yah and Yahweh, the gift and the giver. You are the builder of faith throughout the ages. We worship you, Lord. We give you thanks. We give you praise according to your word. We come into your gates with thanksgiving and into courts with praise. We honor you, El Roy, El Olam, Almighty God. King of kings and Lord of lords. King eternal, potentate. Invisible, hidden from our eyes. Yet all creation declares your glory. Shada koti labrasa. Mando koi libroskatai. Reketete libo shana marabakatan de sikata. Radando si mando ra ikai de soto di bando shatai. Mando kotete libro kotalabashandaraba. Father, we thank you, Lord, because you are the precision of your scripture. You are prophecy fulfilled, never early, never late. You are God and you are God all by yourself. You reside in the highest heavens. Heaven is your throne and the earth is your footstool. Oh God, you walk upon the wings of the wind. Thou who dwellest between the cherubim. We praise your holy name. We bless you, Lord. We magnify you. We glorify you. You are clothed with splendor and might. And Father, tonight, O oh Lord, as we press as we seek a transaction as we seek to prosecute an assignment lord we pray oh god that you will pray through your set man you commune with us through your set man you'll use his tongue for battle and his lips for war you'll use his tongue as a pen of already writer as he engages on mental health oh lord we've seen in just yesterday, shooting in Texas, 
the killing of school children. Father, something is not right. Something is not right. And we know, oh Lord, that the devil knows his time is short. Lord, help those in your body, oh God, to be mentally strong, to keep focus on you, not upon the circumstances. In all things, bless God. In all things, we will bless God. Mando rakatai liba sokototondi da barabashiki tete de bush rata malabasi da bababa katatoro kotori kita parabashanda Lord, for you have given us a sound mind, not of fear, but one of love. We know, O oh God, what is written about us, for we are washed in your blood. And our names are scribed upon your hand. We are the diadem. We are the apple of your eye. No one can pluck us out of your hands. Lest we forget. Only we can walk away from salvation, Lord. Only we can walk away from salvation. We are eternally safe. In spite of what may be coming against us in the natural Lord, help us shift our perspective and see things from a third heaven perspective. Rearrange our perception. We are licensed to operate both on earth and in heaven, for we are seated in Christ in every places. Shiba no katai, ali katabarabashita popoboskatai. Sita parabaka namaratai zubukuta kitabarabasha makada bashanda daba rokozi babando shikata ribuskata manda shandi kada barabashi titili bukuta rada basa marabakatai dabashi debubu come Holy Spirit come take your place O Lord Mandari Bakata we are going to offer up an evening sacrifice God of Elijah Lord of angel armies God of all flesh God of the seraphim and the cherubim Libando Shadai have your way Lord have your way have your way Lord less of a hustle more of your gender reveal your word oh god for your word is to our spirit what medicine is to our bodies makalaba shanda batete do borokota ni brokota te ragada basikokok poracho spirit oh lord poracho wisdom poracho knowledge eleba shanda gadaba 
Continue our equipping, O oh Lord. Continue our equipping in this season of Bokurl, O oh Lord. For we have great and mighty things that need to be accomplished. Help us to lambano, katolambano us, O oh Lord. Apprehend us, likatapababa. And set us upon that destiny that you, you caused and you wrote that was written in our books, O oh God. Manda shandidabu, rakata libashandadai, labando kitai daba sukotei debush, makada baba bando shidaba baba, rakata raba, shabarokota, shidaba bandushkata. Father, we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we give you glory tonight. We give you glory tonight. We welcome you in this room. We say, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. In the earth. As it is in heaven. Let your presence rule, reign, and be established. Let there be power to heal, save, and deliver, including, yea, especially in the area we are covering tonight. You have not given your people a spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and a sound mind. And so, Lord, tonight we contend for sound minds. We contend for sound minds. In any person, any area, any circumstance in which the health of the mind, the soul, is under attack tonight, we speak your healing power we speak your healing power O god unto you be all glory all honor and power we give you thanks and praise in the precious name of Jesus somebody somewhere put your hands together for the Lord and give him a shout of praise we bless you and we thank you in the precious name of Jesus hallelujah
all right everybody welcome welcome to the quorum on a wednesday you'll see my face in a second it's part three y'all we're here we're here we're here we're here we're here awesome 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 so let's get straight to it tonight tell somebody welcome um there's a lot to cover tonight and we don't have forever so let's get right down to business amen amen and amen right so my name is israel Alumide siave um whatever title you want to put in front of that is fine by me uh i am i'm privileged to be your host here at the quorum uh and tonight we are going to be coming to the end of this amazing mini-series we've been looking at mental health from the bible's perspective uh we started three weeks ago well this is the third week so we started two weeks ago uh in mental health awareness week and we've been uh, on a journey now i am not going to be able to repeat every single thing that we have looked at so far there should be a playlist in the video description uh by the way can we celebrate uh, our media team here at kingdom culture movement uh we got me in the house physically uh mr tony biden virtually minister chris yadediba well there's a whole bunch of other people from around the world who do an amazing job of making sure that we can come to you the bible says god gave the word but great was the company of they that published it uh, the word is of no use if it is not published no matter how annoyed we are if you don't get to hear or see us then it is of no uh, avail and so i just want to say thank you to my peeps here who make sure that we look and sound good and that we can come to you via the platforms that we do y'all are the real mvps um so oh thank you jesus Alrighty, I think we, uh, if we don't stop with that keys, we will just have a, a prayer meeting here tonight. So, my name is Israel Lumde Isiawe, I'm your host here at The Quorum. Um, we've been going on a journey, so yeah, I, I, Chrissy, I was about to say, please, I know there's a playlist of the um of the of the last two weeks it it should be in the channel if it's not already in the description if you could just help me put it in the description and add this video currently going on to that playlist because we do not have the time to go through every single thing we've covered over the last two weeks so uh y'all need to uh follow that up uh also you'll notice that now that i have my channel back from kingdom culture it is starting to get active again. Uh, I don't want to name drop, but I want to just celebrate a newest member of, of, uh, of quote unquote, my personal inner circle who is responsible for helping to revive that channel. Uh, God has been amazing in putting the right people around us in the season. And so if you haven't subscribed to the Cherub TV or the Cherub Messenger YouTube channel, you might want to go and do that right now because there's a whole bunch of stuff that is coming your way both oh thank you chrissy both live and uh 
some some good some golden oldies you know we're going to be going through some of the content from over the last few years by the way Chrissy I came across a phone uh, that I've been looking for for years I was tidying my study at home this week uh, I was supposed to move house last year and then the move fell through with 48 hours to go and so I packed up all my stuff into boxes ready to go and so I was finally unpacking those boxes today and I came across an old-fashioned phone uh, not even a 3G SIM card phone the phone I had from 2000 and blah, 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 I say 2004 to 2007 and I came across some of the old sermons from Mighty One's Days, Chrissy. And so uh, God seems to be restoring years from the past because there's a whole bunch of content, current and previous, uh, that is coming to you. And you can pretty much date the age of the content by how I sound. And I will not say any more than that. But if you know, then you know. If you're on the inner circle joke, then you know that you can tell how long ago something was based on how both my voice and my accent sounds. Right, let's get straight into the word of the Lord tonight. Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to wrap this subject up. Lord, help us not to miss uh, whatever the sword. Whatever the sword of the first week missed, Lord, and the sword of the second week missed, may this week's sword as the Elisha in the triumvirate not miss. Help us to do justice tonight. And Father, not just help us to do justice theologically, let there be healing, let there be deliverance. Father, Lord, let there be an outbreak of your power to bring changes to outcomes spiritually and mentally. We give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus. Right, so today, um, by the way, if you haven't sent your questions in, you may want to do so now. Uh, the Slido is open. It's been open for 24 hours now. Uh, and so uh, if you want to be sure that everything you want covered is covered, I strongly suggest that you go there now because uh, at some point... We're going to have to stop tonight and so if there's so many questions or so many requests for clarifications and yours and we're going to go in order or in the order in which they are sent in so at some point we may run out of time and so if you don't want that to happen uh then you might want to go and get there right now all righty so let's see now again we, I don't have no idea. These things keep, they work just before it's time. And then literally when we start the broadcast, everything starts to go slow. So I have no idea uh, why we're so slow again on the, uh, the, the laptop tonight. But if, if we can't work that out, we'll just have to dance with the tune that we are given. All right, so let's come to Psalm 23. Uh, while we are waiting for the slidos to compile, let's come to Psalm 23, and I will do my best to put this up on the screen. And if I can't, then you're just going to have to trust that when I read the Bible, that the Bible does say what I say it says. Um, awesome. So let's go to blueletterbible.org. And we will take our flight from there all right while we're waiting for this for the uh, for technology to cooperate uh most of us can quote uh psalm 23 off head can't we uh you know it, it's the coat in a coat the uh, what's it called again now what's the name of the psalm again um 
it's not the Lord's Prayer, no. Um, the Lord's my shepherd. There's a, there's a name usually given to the psalm. Anyway, the, the first verse is the Lord is my shepherd. And, and several sermons and books have been written about this. But the psalm says, the Lord is my, I'm reading from the King James Version. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me or leadeth me, the King James would say, besides the still waters, he restores my soul. Okay, there we go. He restores my soul. And we looked in the first week at the fact that according to this verse, the soul must be a renewable or should I say a depletable resource. I would not need to restore something if it doesn't need to be restored. And we looked at the word restore, there's no time to look at it now, but it literally talks about both to build back, but also to replenish something that is lost. It says, he leads me. Now, there's a colon there, meaning the way he restores my soul. And we, we dealt with the fact that the word soul, heart, mind, uh, 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 and, and such synonyms in the Old and New Testament, Hebrew words like nefesh, leb, Greek words like suki, uh, uh, sarks, are all uh, pointing to the, to the piece of humanity that you and I are referring to when we talk about mental health or lack thereof, our mind, our soul, our well-being. We established in week one, and very clearly so, that God and the Bible are very concerned about man's mental health. In fact, the fact that the Bible tells us it is with the mind we serve the Lord, uh, and, and the Spirit of God, the Bible says, His power, uh, He's able to do exceedingly abundantly, far above all we can ask or think or imagine. Uh, this is the New Testament. Each of these words is a component of the soul. Chrissy, can you help me with the, uh, uh, with, with the short move between the screen and, and me so they can look at me when I'm talking? That'd be great. Uh, and so the power, if I, let's go there. Actually, let's go there. Let's go there. Let's go there. Okay, let's go to the epistles of Paul. Thank you, Jesus. Labrodos kemenderi ashtabali etoli enamze turi paratie konandabra eshkoporinde. All right, so Ephesians chapter 3. Oh, I just realized you can't see it on this screen, so let's put this here. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. This is a pretty much a recap of week one, but let's just, let's just establish this because it's important for what I want to cover today before we start to get into the questions, if we have any questions. So Ephesians chapter 3. If you come with me down to verse 20, Paul says... Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think. Accord, one second, sorry, one second. Yeah, according to all that we can ask or think, he, he then says, according to the power that works in us. In essence, there is a limit to what God can be and do in the life of a believer. And that limit is not dependent on God. It is dependent on that believer. He's able to do it exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or think. But it's according to the dimension of the power that's at work within us. Now, let's, let's expand that thought just a little bit. 
And let's go one second now. All right, and let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's look at the place of the mind in the struggle for God's will in the earth. This is some, some of the stuff I, I, I didn't get to finish in week one, but I just think it's important before we move on. So, Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after the flesh. Now, the word flesh is the word sarks. We dealt with that in week two. It's a manifestation of the human mind or mental faculty under the influence of the fallen nature of sin and by extension the devil. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Pause. He says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In essence, God is telling you that these weapons are spiritual. Are you with me? Would everybody agree? The Bible is making it clear that there is a spiritual war that has to be prosecuted. Now, Tony, if I... If I said to you, the weapons of the warfare are not carnal, they're spiritual, you would expect me to begin to talk about dealing with demonic entities, right? They are mighty through God to the binding of demons, the pulling down of demonic altars, and are taken into captivity of every ungodly Elohim that sits in judgment over the nations, right? The next verse is very telling. Let's look at it. Very, very telling. It says, casting down what? Imaginations. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Before that, it says, mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, let's look at the phrase strongholds because uh, it will buttress the point that we are trying to make so strongholds is one word in the greek again pardon it's the word okruma not to be uh confused with nkrumah which is the name of the founder of modern day Ghanaian independence politics all right a castle, a stronghold, a fortress, a fastness, anything on which one relies, or the argument and reasonings by which a disputant endeavors to fortify his opinion and defend it against his opponent. Pause. Is God explaining to us, and of course we know what imagination is obviously a faculty of the mental space, right? That, 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 that's obvious to the naked eye, isn't it? Uh, and then we see exalting itself against the knowledge. Knowledge again is a is a is a is a is a is a component of the mental faculty, and bringing into captivity every thought. The message here is unmistakable. Do we have a problem with our video? Okay, the message here is unmistakable. 
And it is this. God counts as spiritual warfare primarily what occurs in the space of the mind. He just says the weapons of your warfare are not carnal. They're mighty through God. And then he lists four things which are pretty much exclusively confined to the mental realm. I want you to deep that for a minute. You know, as the kids would say, just deep that for a brief minute. Let me repeat. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. And then he lists four different applications of spiritual warfare that all have to do with the mind. When you measure this vis-a-vis -vis what we looked at last week, when Paul spoke about how there was a messenger of Satan assigned a thorn in his socks, his flesh, a faculty again of the mental space, whose job it was to prevent him from being exalted beyond measure. We now realize Tony, that what we call spiritual warfare must encompass and traverse the realm that we refer to as mental health. Now, I, I waited till week three to come here because I know this is sensitive. And so let me remind you of my credentials. For instance, since we began this series, you have no idea, my wife will tell you, you have no idea the level of quote and unquote spiritual warfare I have been experiencing in the area of my quote and unquote mental health. I speak not as one who looks down on anybody, I speak as one with skin in the game. And I knew it would happen. Which is one of the reasons I didn't want to go here. But the concept of our mental health or deficit thereof is, in my opinion, one of the primary battlegrounds for spiritual warfare in the life of any human being. Now remember, we established on day on week one that when we talk about the different spectrums, and I'm not talking about the word as it's used in psychology and psychiatry, I just mean the difference between one end, in essence, the average human being is somewhere between five foot five, or man, man, between five foot six and six foot one. But there are people who are four foot tall men, and there's men who are seven foot tall. And the fact that you're four foot or seven foot doesn't mean you're abnormal. It just means you don't fall in the sweet spot of the bell curve. And so I, when I say spectrum, I'm talking about a range of possible values of anything, height, weight, age, color, uh, 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 language, whatever it is. And if you fall outside 
the bell curve, the standard deviation of where the vast majority of people fall. So we talked about the fact that that spectrum can be explained by three or four things. One is just natural creational diversity, like I said. Some of us are created to be tall, some a bit shorter, some skinny, some a bit plumper. In that same way, uh, no two human beings have the exact same mental makeup. And the fact that your brain works this way doesn't necessarily mean there's something wrong with you. It may just mean that you are diverse creationally from the next man. Then there is also the, the element that has to do with the fall of man. And the same way there is medical diversity in physical health. Some people are born with a natural tendency to need glasses more than other people. Some people are born with a natural tendency to some sicknesses and diseases than some other people. The same applies in the mental space. Thirdly, there is the activity we spoke about of intentional demonic affliction. The madman of the, Gad of the Gadarenes is one such case. The epileptic boy who Jesus um, healed when he came down from the mountain of transfiguration is another case. And I don't know if we looked at these as some of the examples of mental health in the Bible last week. If we didn't, please add them. Did we touch on both of them? We didn't, okay, well, there's no time today, but let's, you can add that to the example. So there is a boy who is epileptic who Jesus heals. There is a, a man who has lost his sanity who Jesus heals in the Gadarenes. And in both cases, it is clear that there is demonic activity behind the lack or the deficit in the mental health. Now, whichever, whichever of these three or whichever mixture of these three is behind what you and I would call the deficit of mental health in an individual, example, you or I, we must acknowledge this fact that if God is saying the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the addressing of issues in the mental space, it must mean God understands and wants us to understand that some, if not all, but at least some component of mental health struggle falls within the realm of spiritual warfare. If you're with me so far, say I am. This is touchy. I know it's touchy, but hear me. Hear me as one who is in the same fight as you. In week one, we established from Romans 7 that it is with the mind that we serve the Lord. Paul says, with my mind, I serve the law of the Lord. But with my flesh, so he makes a distinction between the mind as a neutral player in this game and then the sin nature that we have taught men and women in the church that anything that has to do with your soul must be carnal. In essence, just read the word, confess the word, believe the word, and ignore the musings of your soul. But the Bible teaches the exact opposite. For instance, we looked at last week that David is consistently exploring the condition of his soul. He's consistently having conversations with his mental faculty because he's trying to diagnose what the issue may be. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul. He says, so why are you cast down? I shall yet hope in the Lord. 
what else does he say again now um there's one i'm trying to remember now my soul he says follows hard after you so the soul can be deployed in pursuit of god or can suffer affliction that makes the pursuit of god more difficult and so we come back to paul here in second corinthians 10 that the first thing god wants you to do with the weapons of your warfare is pull down systems of thought that are antithetical to god's design and idea for you what are you saying preacher spit it out i'm glad you asked while we cannot dispute completely while we cannot sorry discard the need to understand the medical side of mental health and the things that we can do based on what that information gives us i'm going to come there in a second for instance when we talk about the hormone imbalance theory of mental health for instance that some mental health circumstances can be explained by deficits in certain hormones in certain individuals so i'll give an example that attention deficit hyperactivity disorder can partially be explained by an imbalance of two hormones serotonin and adrenaline actually no i'm, I'm, I'm wrong now serotonin or three serotonin adrenaline and that's what i'm missing serotonin adrenaline and dopamine so this individual has a condition where because some hormones that are in certain uh levels in your brain tony may not be in theirs they will struggle with processing simple everyday tasks that to you are normal you will look at that person and wonder why do you keep procrastinating you must be lazy and the person is literally saying sir ma'am it's not that i'm lazy it's that my brain is struggling medically to function this way true so i can with that i don't need medication i can just tell myself what can i naturally do that will improve these levels exercise meditation certain kinds of social interactions true but then i then have to ask myself why is my brain this way the same way if i god forbid if someone was diagnosed with cancer or a similar sickness yes we understand the fact that there is a medical explanation there are cells in the human body that mutated and were not handled correctly are you hearing me somebody that there are certain neoplastons that were supposed to be dealt with by certain uh, bodily created things called anti-neoplastins that were supposed to shut down the negative mutation and this happens in the normal human body but when a person develops cancer it means the rate at which these mutations were happening superseded that person's body's natural defense so you ask the questions why was your body not able to shut down those mutations like normal were you eating too much sugar was your diet out of whack were you exposed to harmful radiation 
all that is valid and must be taken into consideration. But as a believer, the vast majority of us will accept the reality that beyond the medical pathway, there is probably an intelligent, sentient activity of the demonic realm that is either guiding, instituting, or at the very least is taking advantage of that medically explainable pathway to limit the potential for purpose and destiny of that individual. Are you hearing me? It's very quiet in the comment section tonight. I need some backup. And so if that is true of physical health, it must be true of mental health. If it is with this mind Paul tells us in Romans 7 that I am supposed to prosecute the destiny of God and serve the Lord. If it is this mind that restricts the power of the spirit at work through me. And God tells me that the weapons of my warfare not being carnal are supposed to one, pull down strongholds and two, cast down imaginations take thought into captivity ladies and gentlemen i have come to pull the curtain and expose to you the strong man behind the scenes that behind the vast majority of mental health deficits and struggles is sentient demonic activity either instigating or at the very least taking advantage of medically explainable processes to limit the potential of a human being. Do I have your attention, sir, buddy? And I haven't just come to inform you of this Whew. I'm hoping that by the time we're done tonight, that we will have experienced the power of God to address this issue. Come with me to Isaiah chapter 12. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just yield to you. You know where you're going tonight. I have no clue. I'm just going to come along for the ride. And so let me say in advance that this is all you. Isaiah chapter 12. Verse 2 says, Behold, God is my what? Salvation. Somebody say salvation. The word in Hebrew is the exact same word as in Greek. It means the same thing. You need to understand that when the Bible talks about salvation, Tony, God is just talking about the fact that you are now a Christian on your way to heaven. You're in your Christian, you, you are a Christian on your way to heaven. As a result of salvation, salvation does not mean on its own or, ex or exclusively that you are a Christian on your way to heaven. You became a Christian because you are saved. You are not saved because you became a Christian. Salvation means exactly what the word says in English, that you were saved, delivered from something. You were under the power and affliction of something and something broke you free. Now it is, you, you, your, your, your 
place in the faith is possible because you are saved. But your salvation doesn't only mean that you have a place in the faith. In essence, there was a conflict that was decided in your favor. Hence the name, the name salvation. God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah, he is my strength and my song. He has also become my salvation. Verse 3 says, therefore. Someone say therefore. In essence, because God is now my salvation, I now have the right. So, see, listen. He is my salvation. Someone say present tense. He is my strength. Someone say present tense. He also is become my salvation. Say present tense. Verse 3 then says, with joy shall you draw. Someone say future tense. Ah, are you with me? Someone say future tense. So, he is my salvation. But with joy I will draw. In essence, there is a component to my salvation that is past tense and there is a com or present and there is a component that is requisitely dependent on what I am able to do. Someone say able to do. Uh, who am I talking to? We might need to kick everybody in the room off the of the of the of the wi-fi possible so let me repeat there is a component to salvation salvation remember salvation means that there is a battle that has been decided in my favor there is a component to it that god has settled according to isaiah chapter 12 christy let's go back there but there is another component that i must do something to activate and there is a requisite dependency on the mood of my mind in accessing this well with joy someone say joy, joy. joy. with joy shall I or you draw water out of the wells of salvation so while god has already saved me the full expression of that salvation is locked up in a well and my bucket is joy so without joy i cannot lower the it is the bucket of joy that i need to lower into the wells plural wells of what salvation has made available and i need a bucket called joy if Satan cannot stop salvation from happening, if he cannot bar me from the well, he can steal my bucket. And if he steals my bucket, I can be standing at a well, parched and thirsty, with no access to that well. And it will not surprise you to realize that joy is a component. At least is partially a component. I know there's a, spiritual act, there's a spiritual capacity to joy. But it is at least partially a component of the mental faculty. In essence, Tony, if I steal your joy, I have stolen your access to the wells of salvation. 
Let us look at the word joy in the Hebrew. Oh, we came to slay a spirit tonight. It's the word sasoni or sason. Gladness, exaltation, rejoicing, mirth, cheerfulness. Someone say cheerfulness. So ladies and gentlemen, I expose to you the straw man called depression. And everything that is connected to it, bipolar, cyclothemia, anxiety, paranoid schizophrenia, Everything that takes its root in what you and I call depression. Every behind the medical pathways, which I agree with, I have been an I have been a what's the word now? An experiential or have or I have experiential knowledge of. But there is a straw man behind the scenes. Oh, are you ready tonight? Okay, let, 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 let's move into the New Testament a little bit, shall we? Second mm, Timothy chapter one. Let's go to Second Timothy chapter one. Masu kebedi. 2 Timothy chapter 1, okay? The questions are starting to come in. Keep them coming in. Keep them coming in. We will get to them tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 1. Tony, we're going to kill a spirit tonight. I know spirits don't die, but we're going to kill one tonight. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7. Do we have that on the screen? Good. Not me, the Bible says, for God has not given unto us a spirit of fear. Pause. Before I go any further, that should open your mind. So there is a spirit of fear. What you think is an emotion, what science has taught us is a pathway of hormones in the brain, which I agree with. The same way cancer is a pathway of medical processes and just for the sake of those of you who wonder i'm also of the opinion that medical science has done a horrible job treating both medical and some physical illnesses so there must be another way but i digress so uh, uh you know first of all we didn't have some of these things hundreds of years ago so what changed in the world today where cancer and depression and similar things are far more prevalent than they ever were could it be something to do with our lifestyle with our diet with things of that nature so in case you're wondering I'm, I'm with you on that that's just not the focus of tonight but in case anybody's thinking about that i'm with you just so you know maybe we'll do another quorum on that but there is a spirit of fear tony the same way there's a spirit of infirmity 
that either triggers or hides behind medical pathways for sickness, there is a spirit of fear that either triggers and or hides behind medical pathways for us experiencing certain things that fall on the medical or the mental health problem silos or spectrum as I, my use of the word spectrum, not the medical use. But if you go further, Paul here begins to expose quite interestingly how the spirit of fear manifests. He says, God hasn't given us the spirit of fear, but the, my paraphrase, spirit of, and then he lists three things, Tony. Someone say power. Someone say love. Someone say sound mind. Now, I know about you, but if someone says to me, I haven't given you red, but, but blue, yellow, and orange, it must mean that the antidote to red is blue plus yellow plus orange. Right? In essence, there must be a component of red that blue addresses, there must be a component of red that yellow addresses, and there must be a component of red that orange addresses. Sorry, just checking out something here. Okay, I have no idea what's going on with our video tonight, but we're just going to have to roll with it. Um, we're just going to have to roll with it. It's very annoying, but we'll just roll with it. In essence, Tony, when whatever Paul is referring to as the spirit of fear must include a sense of powerlessness, hence the word power, a sense of rejection, hence the word love, and a sense of unsoundness of the mind, hence the word sound mind. And ladies and gentlemen, I propose to you from my research and experience that there is no mental health issue that you cannot classify under one of those three headings. I want you to chew on that for a second. Let me repeat. This speaker is of the opinion that broadly there is no mental health circumstance that does not sit under the heading of one, powerlessness. Two, rejection or a sense of a lack of value or acceptance. And three, a lack of soundness of the mind. Ishaya. And Paul tells us, he tells us in 2 Timothy 1.7 that God has not given us the spirit of fear. Let's go back there, Chrissy. In essence, this spirit of fear, according to Paul, manifests in one or more of three ways. 
a sense of helplessness or an incapacitation, what you and I would call a lack of capacity. A lack of ability. And in, a, in essence, these are the mental health issues that have to deal with your lack of ability to do something. E.g. ADHD dealing with your inability to perform a task you know you should perform and keep procrastinating or to focus on something you know you should focus on or with the issues of hyperfocus, which I have suffered from my whole life, the inability to de disconnect from focusing on something that is irrelevant to the average human being, but once your brain gets encumbered with, you can't let go. Then there are issues that have to deal with rejection trauma abuse a sense of being unloved or unlovable or being treated in a way that is inconsistent with love who am i talking to tonight y'all better tell me in the comment section and then finally a lack of soundness of the mind dementia dyslexia learning difficulties Asperger's, who am I talking to tonight? Paul is telling us that you can trace these things to a spirit or to or some of their manifestations to a spirit that he calls fear. Now let's look at Paul's definition of this word called fear. Come through tonight, Lord Jesus. Let's look at this word fear. It's the word delia. It will interest you that it is from this word we get the English word deleterious, which means harmful or injurious. Keep that in mind. That we're not just talking about, oh, I'm afraid of a rat. Now, it's a timidity, fearfulness, cowardice, right? Okay, let's look at the root word now, shall we? Let's look at the root word. It's the word dilios. Right? Timid by implication, faithless, and fearful faithless and fearful now pause let's look at the first time it appears in the bible matthew 8 26 jesus is walking on water to meet his disciples who are caught in a tempest on the sea in a boat and he says to them why are you fearful O you of live of little faith it's the word dilios the root word right then he arose someone say he arose let's look at that let's look at that scripture i need you to see this i need thank you holy spirit i need you to see this Cool. So let, let, let's start from verse Matthew 8. Chris, come with me. From verse 23. You can see this symbol. It means 
There's a new paragraph in the original Hebrew. So he entered into a ship, his disciples followed him, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves. Someone say covered with waves, but he was asleep. His disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, why are you fearful, O you little faith? Then he arose. Arose from where? From the ship. What was going on in the ship? The Bible says the ship was covered with waves. So Tony, their fear wasn't the fear of an imaginary thing. This is not the kind of fear we're talking about. We're not talking about being afraid of, oh well, you know, I'm afraid of going to the market. Or I'm scared of heights. That's not what Dilios means. It means to be timid, fearful, to recoil, to have your capacity diminished because of the presence and the effect or the aura of something else. Kingdom child, you're getting it, right? The ship was covered by waves. That was why they were afraid. Something was present, physically, tangibly present, that was causing a diminishing of their capacity for action. It wasn't a, con it wasn't a conjuring of their mind. Then they said, Lord, save us, we are perishing. The Bible says Jesus arose, meaning he was previously unarisen and rebuked what? The winds and the sea. He did not rebuke. He asked them, why are you fearful? But he did not rebuke them for being afraid. Because he understood that there was the presence of something that was manifesting as their fear. Ladies and gentlemen, do not rebuke a person who is dealing with depression. Rebuke what is behind the depression. Because behind every manifestation of the spirit of delir, from which I, I told you, from which you get the word deleterious, what just happened here? What have I done? Okay, let's, let's, let's go back to, I think I've just kicked myself out of the, the stream. Behind every manifestation of that spirit, Tony, or manifestation in the, in the natural realm, there is a real and present entity that is behind the scenes. And so Paul says, you did not receive that spirit from God. And that's very important, hear me. Because my, my wife's a doctor, my dad's a doctor, my mother's a pharmacist, my stepmom's a nurse. I grew up around the medical profession my entire life. I believe in it. I believe in, many times when, when I go to pray for somebody who's ill, and many of the times I've seen God do supernatural things, I will ask my wife or a doctor or nurse in the, in the vicinity to explain the sickness to me medically. You know why? Because if I understand the medical pathway, I can usually read behind the scenes 
to understand the demonic or spiritual process that is manifesting itself as a medical pathway. Years ago, my wife called me to a hospital to pray for a man who was dealing with end-stage Parkinson's disease. And she explained to me how Parkinson's worked. The man was given 72 hours to live. By her explaining to me how it worked in the natural realm, God reverse engineered the mechanism in the spiritual realm. I then could address it spiritually. A week later, the man who was being fed by tubes with 72 hours to live, when I came back to see him 72 hours later, was sat upright asking his son to please go buy him some pie. So I am not disputing medical science. I'm saying, as we saw in week one, that the Bible says the things that are clearly seen came from things that do not appear. Nothing manifests in the natural realm that does not have a spiritual precursor. And Paul calls it a spirit. And he makes sure, Chris, let's go back there to tell us, you did not receive this spirit for, now, Paul is passing across a message. Don't tolerate it. Don't become comfortable with it. Don't diagnose yourself into, what's what I'm looking for now? Don't, don't, or don't allow yourself be diagnosed into, what's the word now? Into, not comfort. Tony, help me out. English is my first language. Into, to, it means to be comfortable with something. There's a word I'm looking for. Into complacency. Behind the manifestation of the spirit of fear is a wind and a sea. And look at verse 26 again. Jesus rebuked what the winds and the sea colon the bible says and there was a great calm tony it means the winds and the seas could hear you can't rebuke something and it would listen if it can't hear and it cannot hear you if it's not sentient it means there was an intelligent force behind that wind and sea. Ladies and gentlemen, there is an intelligent force behind the vast majority, I've done it again, there's an intelligent force behind the vast majority of what you and I call mental health struggles. Yes, there is a component, like I told you in week one, that comes from creational diversity. So my mind works different from yours. That's not what I'm talking about. But then when we start to look at the second two, the fall of man and demonic activity, we see clearly that if Satan can incapacitate your capacity in your mind to function in the service of the Lord, e.g., we looked, it is with joy we saw, right, that we draw waters from the wells of salvation. That's Isaiah chapter 12, remember? So anything that incapacitates your capacity or, or, re or reduces your capacity for joy is a tool by which Satan can limit the dealings of God in and through your life. We then see that we don't have a spirit of fear, but of love of power and a sound mind. Meaning that spirit works in three ways. 
it attacks your, your, your power or your strength or your sense of ability and functionality. It attacks your sense of acceptance and love. AKA, so in essence, we're talking, let me use mental health words here. Lack of capacity, rejection, right? And impairment of function, of cognitive function. There's a spirit behind it, Tony, the Bible says, and God did not give it to us. If God did not give it to us, it means we must wage war on it. Your men, let me use what my mental health struggles are not completely explainable by medicine and physiology. There is an intelligent being behind the scenes. And we must learn to know when we are being punked. If you don't disagree with this context in physical health, you should not disagree with it in mental health. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 12. Paul says, I knew a man in Christ 14 years ago. Most scholars in agreement, Paul is talking about himself here. I knew such a man, whether in the body, out of the body, I cannot tell. God knows he was caught up in a paradise, heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will glory, yet of myself I will not glory. Paul is separating his natural reality from the part of him that received grace. He's saying, there's a me that God works through that gives, God gives access to divine revelation. And there's a human me that is at the mercy of certain things. He then explains, <clears throat> for though I would desire the glory, I won't be a fool. You know what? Maybe I should give you this in a, no, no, let me read in the King James first. And if I need to give you another version, that's fine. But this is important in the King James. It says, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above what he sees me to be or that what he hears of me. Verse seven, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. Now, I have heard this preached and even the strong concordance in its explanation gets this wrong until you dig into the strong concordance definition. You got to understand that when you read the strongs, the first part is it's, it's telling you what it thinks it is based on how it's used in the Bible. Then in the second part, it's telling you what the original Greek or Hebrew actually means in the context. And if you read the two of them, sometimes you see that they get it wrong based on their own definition. It says, I should be exalted above measure. Meaning, there is the probability for me to be exalted above measure. And we've heard it taught that this is being arrogant or proud and if we look at it in the greek in the strong concordance it would seem to be correct let's look at this together the word is hyperiro or hyperomai hyper no no, no. hyper whatever hyper something 
<laughs> now, strong says it means it's used to lift or raise up over something, to lift up oneself, to be in, to behave insolently, right? To become haughty. Okay. All right. Now, let's first of all let's look at its use in the Bible. Two times. One. We've just seen exalted above measure. Secondly, who opposes and exalts himself, listen, exalts himself above all that is called God. So look now, there is the, let's look at second, let's look at second Thessalonians 2.4 to explain the point I'm trying to make. Second Thessalonians 2.4, let's look at this in the Greek. This is the only other time this word hyperiwer is used in the New Testament. So the word hyperiro is exalteth right notice that there is a second word there epi which means himself so if you remove the word epi all you get is exalted so now this 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 is talking about the antichrist true it says the antichrist will exalt hyperiro himself above god Oh, I'm not sharing my screen? Snap, Chrissy. Tony, you should have told me earlier. Okay, my mistake. I thought I was. So let, let's, let, in fact, then I, then I need to go back to, let's, let's go from where we started. So let's go back, 2 Corinthians chapter 17. 2 Corinthians 12, 7, sorry. Right? Paul is talking about the thorn in his flesh. And I'm trying to debunk the, the meta- understanding of what this is he says lest i should be exalted above measure and if we look at this now in let's look so let's go through this slowly again if we look at this in the uh in the lexicon we see that i should be exalted above measure is one word hyperiro the strongs tells us in its definition that hyperiro means to be arrogant or haughty and the reason it comes to that conclusion is that we look at the fact that the word appears twice in hyperiromai, whatever, appears twice in the New Testament. One is 2 Corinthians 12, 7, as we've just seen, and the other one is 2 Thessalonians 2, 4. And in 2 Thessalonians 2, 4, which we then went to, we saw that this was referring to the Antichrist. And it says one of the things he will do will be to hyperiro himself above all that is called God. In essence, he will seek to exalt himself. Now, this is a, this is a, this is a sidebar for those of you who are students of eschatology. It's not necessarily saying that he just says he's higher than Yahweh. That's a part of it. But he, all that is called God, the word God there is Theos. In essence, the Greek for Elohim. He's saying, he's saying that he is superior to everything that has been worshipped as a deity in history so far. He's presenting himself as the chief Elohim that mankind has ever experienced. That's a different quorum altogether. But you see that the Greek says, hyperiro epi. The Greek says, Kai hyperiro epi. Let's look at the word epi in the Greek. 
The word epi here means upon, above. It talks about position. A primary preposition, meaning the superimposition of time, place, order, in essence, there's a qualifier to the word hyperiro. So, hyperiro cannot be to exalt yourself above something on its own if we need to add the word epi, like, right, which literally means above. Does that make sense? So, that word has to be separated from the understanding of what it is being used or what is being used to qualify it. Hyperiro cannot mean exalt above if it's used here as hyperiro epi, which means hyperiro above. In essence, it simply means exalt. With that understanding, let's go back and look at that word in the Greek. Let's really look at it now. Comes from two words, so hyperiro, right? Comes from two words. The first is obvious if you're a scholar of Greek. It's a word hyper or hooper, right? And I don't mean basketball player. <laughs> Which means beyond or above. It means to exceed. Someone say exceed. Hyperactivity. Means activity that is more than expected or normal. It means to go beyond the norm. Does that make sense? To go beyond, to be superior to, to be slicker than your average. And we are not going to add Bo Selector. Private joke, Tony. What have I done? Okay. Now let's look at the second word in hyperiro. Oh, come on, somebody. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. We got to pray tonight. We got to pray tonight. Yes. So let's look at the second word, second Greek, second part of that Greek word. Now, it's the word airo or airo. Let's see what airo means. It means to raise up to elevate, to raise up from the ground, right? To remove, to take away from another what is his or what is committed to him, to take by force. Someone say take by force. Someone say take by force. Someone say take by force. Say take by force. So in essence, it means, hyperiro simply means to be exalted beyond what is normal. To go beyond normality. To move beyond the average. Does that make sense? And in so doing, to violently lay hold on something. Are you all still with me in the comment section? Now bear that in mind when we go back and read Second Corinthians 12 again. Lest I should be exalted above measure 
through the abundance of revelation. It doesn't say by. He says through. Meaning this abundance of revelation. Now let's look at the word revelation first of all. Let's look at that word revelation. Let's look at that word revelations. Ooh, shababa. It's the word apocalypse. Right? It means to lay bare something hidden. A disclosure of truth or instruction, a manifestation, an appearing, a coming to light. Paul is saying, I had some encounters, some things were open to my understanding. I was given certain levels of insight that would have brought me beyond normal men. I would have become exceptional. A, a measure, and if you, a, 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 a standard of normalcy would have been exceeded through the abundance of revelation. Through, in essence, what God gave to me, Tony, would have brought me into a place of prominence. And in so doing, hyperiro, I would have forcefully appropriated something that belonged to someone. Who is the someone? Therefore was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me lest I should be hyperirode. A messenger of who? Satan. So if this is a messenger of Satan, then who gave it to me? So if I send you to, if I say, please help me go tell Padge I need the keys to the car, then you are my messenger, right? Who's giving you to Padge? So who gave the messenger of Satan? Satan. Nowhere does this scripture tell us that God gave this to Paul because he wanted Paul to be arrogant. He didn't want Paul to be arrogant. That is something that was read into the text by su successive generations of theologians. But nowhere does the text say. In verse 8, Paul then says, For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. God's answer was, my grace is sufficient from, for you. God didn't say, Paul, I gave it to you. He says, but I will allow it stay there. He doesn't, now listen, he doesn't say my grace is sufficient for you because I want you to be humble. He says, because my strength is made perfect in your weakness. And so the messenger was permitted to stay by God, not because God wanted to keep Paul humble. But Paul, God said, okay, you know what? Your struggle will, with this thing will give me an occasion to upgrade my strength upon your life. It is consistent with other scriptures. For instance, where the Bible says, Paul tells us that uh, uh, our light affliction is working in us a more eternal. So God is saying, I didn't send it, but I'm using it. The same way I use barbells in a gym to build your biceps, I'm using it to create greater levels of glory. But understand, it came from somewhere to prevent you from being hyperirode. Someone is afraid 
that your revelation, the manifestation of God's will for your life will bring you out of normal and give you by force what that thing has always held. And the, the tool here is a thorn. The word here is affliction. I looked at this on week one. Affliction in your flesh sucks. Again, the, the metaphor there is something to do with the mind. Pardon? Yeah. And even if you say, well, the word socks there, which literally means flesh, is only talking about the human body. Well, if it applies to physical illness, then why can't it? If we agree that mental health issues are physiologically explained by, 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 by body issues the same way physical health issues are explained the same way, then the principle must also carry over. So whether or not you believe socks flesh here is talking about the mind or the physical body, the principle is the same. It is designed to keep you from being hyperirod. Not arrogant, but becoming more than average. Someone say thorn. And if, like me, you have ever suffered with mental health difficulties, the, the metaphor of a thorn becomes even more powerful. If you have suffered with bipolar or cyclothemia, or any form of depression, you know that there is something in the room with you that can't be seen. If you have ever tried to bring yourself to do something and your brain will not cooperate, you know what I'm talking about. If you have ever cared for a person who is suffering from Alzheimer's or dementia, you know what I'm talking about. If you are raising a child that is dealing with a lack of capacity or arrested development, then you know what I'm talking about. And the reason is because there is the potential for hyperiro. Tony, I have potential to be more than average. There is something in my future the enemy is scared about and his tool of choice is to stop me from drawing from the wells of salvation and to afflict me in my socks, my flesh, my mind, my reality. By a spirit of delay, literally means deleterious effect, anything that has a negative effect. And God says, son, don't tolerate that spirit. I did not give it to you. Oh, who am I talking to tonight? God says, do not tolerate that spirit. I did not give it to you. 
if you won't tolerate cancer, if you won't tolerate uh, any physical, medical infirmity, don't be diagnosed into complacency. If the fact that you were born with a hole on your heart, in your heart, will not stop you from pursuing physical healing, then don't be told that because you were born with an imbalance of certain hormones, you will stop pursuing mental healing. Who am I talking to, somebody? I have come to wage war tonight. Not as an innocent bystander, but as a as a, as a contestant in the ring myself. I have made up my mind that in this season, Tony, I will experience godly hyperiro. I will be exalted above demonic measure. That there are dimensions of purpose and destiny that have been laid up for me. In the realms of the heavens. There are things I was called to be. Born to do. There, that there are expressions. Of the glory of the Lord. That should find root in and through my life. There are wells of salvation. That I must draw from in this season. And if I will not tolerate the spirit of physical infirmity, I will no longer tolerate this spirit. Man of God, are you saying that all there is to my struggle is spiritual? That's not what I'm saying. I spent two weeks laying a foundation. I understand their medical pathways. I get it. I'm, I'm, I am one who has walked and in some cases is still walking the same journey with you. What I'm saying, brother or sister, is that there is a spiritual component to what medical science would have you accept is purely medical. I'm saying that like the disciples in the boat, the reason for the spirit of fear is not just an emotion, is that there is a presence of something that is covering your boat. And I know you know, if, if you were to look beyond your intellectual mind, you, you have suspected this your whole life, that there is a sentient component. There are entities behind the scenes working to limit your potential. You can map Tony, 
I'll give you an example. No, 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 I don't want to make this about me tonight. But, but, but see, anything that follows that's why you should journal. You see patterns. It's the same time every month, the same month every year, the same day every week. There's a cycle to this thing. Why? Because it is governed by sentient beings, by sentient. And you can always map it to a season, Tony, where there was an opportunity. And as soon as the opportunity passes, you have respite for a moment. Why is it always when you have an exam, a job interview? <laughs> when a certain relationship comes into your life if you if you if you intelligently survey your past it'll give you keys as to how to fight in the future so to god tells us through paul that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal so he's saying ladies and gentlemen dealing with your mind is not carnal don't let any preacher tell you otherwise. Fighting the battle of your soul is not a second class activity. These are what the weapons of your warfare were primarily designed. Because what you and I call demonic activity always passes through the filter of the mind. Even in issues like sin and addiction, it is still your mind that the enemy is fighting for. Why? Because when the spirit hit the body of Adam, man became a living soul. The, the totality of man's expression could now be filtered through the state and health of his soul. And so the two warring factions understood if you win the war for the soul, you've won the man. And Anne-Marie Creus and the immutable, indefatigable, infinite power of God is now limited to the filter of the health of your soul. Someone lift your voice and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost. I'll come to the questions in a second. I want you to cry out and say, God, in this season, I'm crying out. This is my time for godly hyperiro. It is my moment to find the fullness of heaven's expression, to be all I was born to be. To be all I was born to be. No longer will I be limited by the war for my mind. I come against the spirit of fear. I come against the spirit of rejection. I come against the spirit of incapacity. I come against the spirit of a less than sound mind. Hear me by the Spirit. Hear me by the Spirit. The Bible tells us as a man thinks in his heart, in his leb, in his subconscious reality. So if that man is afflicted by depression, if that man is afflicted by bipolar, are you hearing me somebody? If that man is afflicted by trauma, if that man has a personality disorder, 
then what proceeds from that man if that man has arrested development if that man is what you and i would call autistic dyslexic i told you in week one some of that is simply neurodiversity the fact that the child works by pictures and your child works by numbers doesn't mean that child has an issue i'm talking about the clear cases where there is something impaired with this human being oh i wish i had time to show you the instructions in scripture to be anxious jesus told us for nothing it's an instruction Tony, what's the name for a disobedience to an instruction by a member of the Godhead? What's the name for it? If a member of the Godhead tells you something and you disobey, what does the Bible call it? Sin. True? True? So you call it a spirit. I call it I also call it a spirit. So Tony, hear me, 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 somebody. What's the difference between a spirit that tells you to watch porn, which is a disobedience to God's instruction, and a spirit that tells you to be anxious, which is also a disobedience to God's instruction? The Bible says it is the will of God concerning you in all things that you give thanks. Oh, but preacher, I'm depressed so I can't give thanks. So what's the difference between a spirit that pushes you into an inability to walk in gratitude and one that pushes you into bed with someone you're not married to? You see, you see how the devil has hidden behind diagnosis to frustrate your destiny and mine. But that devil tonight is a liar we come to serve notice on him i repeat i'm not talking about neurodiversity now we dealt with that in week one i'm not talking about the difference between your brain working and mine but because my brain doesn't work the same way everybody else's brains works i'm diagnosed i'm talking about the extreme ends of the spectrum where there is obviously an impairment and something wrong careful for nothing but in all things what does the bible say with thanksgiving and supplication make your request known to god and the peace of god will guide and rule your heart so alhamra let's go there let's go there ana shike borondo brekiala asteve 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 kora katenendo roboho shikada bahadila manze brotigrado remande kiradabash kedidi let's go there let's go there let's go there manze kredeboria can you see my screen chrissy philippians chapter 4 philippians chapter 4 let's start from verse 4 philippians 4. yes colleen let me, let me see if i can repeat your tongues i love this that's deep master vonde okay tony verse 4 rejoice in the lord always and again i say rejoice is this an admonishment no it's an instruction 
So anything that is designed to keep you from obeying this instruction must be demonic. Rejoice in the Lord how many times? How many times? At what times during the day? At what times during the day? What does the Bible say? You, you said it just now, Tony. Okay. At what days within the month? Talk to me. Talk to me. Always. At what months within the year? What years within the decade? In essence, if there's anything that... Now hear me. I understand that rejoicing is an instruction. Meaning you can decide to disobey without a demonic presence. But if you are trying to rejoice and there is something that is resisting your capacity for joy. Jesus says, if I by the finger of God cast out devils, then the kingdom can come. In essence, if something is resisting the kingdom, and what's the kingdom? The rule and the will of God, where God has his agenda met. So if God says rejoice, and something is resisting your capacity to rejoice, there's a demonic activity. He also tells us that the kingdom is what? Righteousness, peace, and joy. Two-thirds in the mind. Two-thirds mental righteousness peace and the kind of joy that comes from the holy ghost if it requires the holy ghost to bring that joy and peace it means that what is fighting it is also of a spiritual capacity verse 5 then says let your moderation be known unto all men so if you have an obsessive compulsive kind of issue that resists your ability for moderation again something is keeping you from obeying an instruction it cannot be benign let your moderation if you cannot be moderate don't just diagnose yourself into complacency or allow yourself to be diagnosed verse 6 be careful for nothing the word literally means be anxious for nothing so that thing you call that i have dealt with for years anxiety disorder panic attacks cannot be benign are you hearing me somebody he then says semicolon but someone say but meaning this is the this is the this is the antidote in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known unto god and the peace of god peace someone say peace peace which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and mind. So the antidote is peace. And so if I can remove your peace, Tony, under the guise of mental health. Oh, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report and praise, think on these things, meaning you must be able to control how your mind works you should be able to decide to think on these things if you cannot stop your mind from a downward spiral of negativity if you can't pull your mind out of the gutter of fear and anxiety and worry and dysfunction and focus on what god says to focus on then something is at work that should not just be explained by a medical diagnosis verse 9 Paul then says the things which you learned and received and heard and you saw me do and you saw in me do this
these things, verse 9, and the God of peace shall be with you. So Tony, there are practices. There are practices that invoke the God of peace in your life. Be anxious for nothing, but in this, do this in thanksgiving and supplication and the peace of God will guide and rule your mind and heart. So the defense is peace. And Paul says in verse 9, there are things that I have practiced that you can observe. Remember we dealt with last week that Paul gives a clear example of a person you and I might diagnose with some mental health difficulties throughout his life. Paul says, I learned the lesson that there is a lifestyle that invokes the God of peace. When that God is in action, these difficulties I face are deleteriously ameliorated. They, they are brought under control. And if you want to invoke this same God, be like me. And then in verse 10, the first thing he says is, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. I conquered depression. I conquered anxiety. I conquered the affliction of my soul. Ladies and gentlemen, if Paul can do it, you can too. I can too. So now when we read 2 Corinthians 12, it makes sense. Paul said, Paul, or God said, Paul, I won't remove the thorn. I'll leave it there so you can grow in your capacity to flourish in spite of it. I won't stop Satan's capacity to attack your mind, but I will let my strength be made perfect in you until you come to a place where you are no longer imprisonable in that battle of the mind. In essence, that struggle, that Maria Kuria Babatalia, that difficult process is building a capacity in you, Tony, that is birthing glory. What you call a struggle is birthing an anointing. As you push back against, in essence, you see it as a weight. I see it as a gym weight. I'm using it to build capacity. So you and I don't get to just say, well, this is my diagnosis. So, you know, that's just it. I have ADHD, so I can't pray. No, you start with five minutes and your brain starts to wonder and you say, no, I will pray. And then you move to 10 and then 15 and then 20. Are you hearing me? Somebody, you, oh, you can get there. And then one day you lead a 12 hour prayer session and you wonder what happened to me. And what you don't understand, Tony, is your one hour of prayer is generating far more power than three hours for a person who is not fighting ADHD. For in your weakness, like Paul says, God's strength is being made perfect. And that's why you should not compare you. Listen to me. Because every human being to one degree or the other is on a mental health spectrum. The same way we are all on a physical health spectrum. The fall of man meant that no human being outside the anointing and grace of God has perfect physical health. The same way that fall of man means that no human being outside the grace, mercy, and anointing of God has perfect mental health. In essence, the, the deleterious effect of the fall of man, the 
entropy of the caused by the fall of man is at work in every single one of us to different degrees so the fact that that person has dementia he's simply further across further along the journey of entropy from god's perfect standard than you who simply have memory lapses but that's why we can't compare ourselves with ourselves tony because you don't know what messenger i'm dealing with The fact that I got out of bed this morning to God may be a sacrifice of praise. Are you hearing me? The fact that I opened my Bible for five minutes with tears in my eyes while, while there is this demonic weight around my mind and I'm talking from experience and you just had a wonderful morning where you spent two hours in the Psalms and 30 minutes in Proverbs and, and then you washed it down with Ecclesiastes and Songs of Solomon as your dessert. Then you went shikaba, hikaha, hikaba and three hours later you were still praying in the Holy Ghost and all I could do was read two Psalms I can't remember, praying tongues for 15 minutes minutes and then pick myself up with tears in my eyes honey god may just be working a perfection of his strength in me that is designed to bring me to a place where not only can i exist beyond the restriction of the attack on my mind but i can be a source of succor and healing to others that's why you should be careful when you look down on people who suffer from substance abuse because you don't know if that's a manifestation of the thorn in their flesh you don't know why they keep going back to something they know they shouldn't do don't, don't make fun of the person with with a gluttony problem are you hearing me somebody because and before you know what i may get in the trouble for this but let me say it don't make fun of people in the church who do what you and i would call inordinate affections and sexual attractions when they say they are born that way they may be telling the truth there may be something in the way their mind is wired that makes what seems perverse to you normal to them but if that man or woman is is warring in god for a place of of of, of his righteousness then don't count them out just yet because there may be something he's doing His strength may be being made perfect in them. They may be contending for a spirit of love that comes against their trauma and depression and rejection, sorry, against a spirit uh, 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 of, of a lack of power, a lack of capacity and function and a spirit of a lack of a sound mind. Lift your voice with me. Ah, before no, before we pray, before we pray, let me let me let me let me just hit a few of the questions. Like I warned you, if you didn't get in the question early, that's fine. Okay, let's see. So we go. How many do we have here? How do you know the difference between when you suffer from anxiety versus faithlessness, and how do you overcome the worry side that comes with the anxiety? My brother or my sister, whoever you are, they're one and the same. They're one and the same. It's a vicious cycle. There's really no difference. Because the cure to anxiety is faith. So anxiety in itself is a manifestation of faithlessness. But hear me, I don't, I'm not saying this to judge you or for you to judge yourself because I can relate. It could be proof that something is actively working to fight the manifestation of faith in your life. 
like we explained it could be partially that you were born with an imbalance a deficiency or just a neurodiversity issue that makes you more susceptible to anxiety than the average person you have been born into an environment or family where anxiety was the norm you watched your mom and dad fret all their lives you you it's all you've ever known so your soul has been conditioned that way now do you overcome the effects you don't overcome the effects you overcome the anxiety you don't you don't deal with this with the fruit or the or the leaf sorry you go for the root you understand that this is listen to me i'm talking from experience this anxiety one listen to me my wife will tell you right this is a battle i fought for years uh you you tell yourself this is an illness of my soul you diagnose it as a sickness of the soul and you address it the way you would address a physical sickness you go to the pharmacist called jesus and you order some medication it's called the word of god and the presence of god and you take it like capsules you treat it like a sin you treat it like an addiction you treat it like an obsession and you fight it with the word and prayer and faith and you war with it till you see its effect begin to be destroyed in your life and like Jesus in the wilderness, you understand that sometimes the devil may leave you for a season. And the fact that you had victory over anxiety last year doesn't mean you may not need to fight against it this year. But after a while, you are no longer scared because you know that the God who delivered you from the lion and the bear can take down this Egyptian. So you say, okay, you're back. All right, fine. It may take me two or three weeks, but I now know what to do. I know to get my scriptures. I know to carve out time for prayer and fasting i know to remove the issues in my life that trigger you and i know not just to expect you to disappear until i beat you into submission does that answer your question let me know if i need to go any further how do you help an unbelieving spouse bl plagued by the strong man of depression honey this is deep the first thing you must acknowledge is every human being has a right to govern what comes into their space and your spouse's lack of a covenant with God means that they are always going to be susceptible to non-godly manifestations in their mental or emotional space that is part of the cross you carry when you're married to an unbeliever having said that the Bible tells us that the believing spouse can sanctify the unbelieving one and so you erect an altar in your home and say God this man or woman and I are supposedly one in your eyes by virtue of your covenant with me this spirit is illegal in my home and like I just spoke about the first question you make it an issue you understand that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of the strongholds in the mind of your spouse to the casting down of the imaginations of depression in their life and the taking into captivity of every thought that exalts itself above the knowledge of God in their life and you trust God that this path of war will end up with your spouse finding grace to surrender to God what happens if you can't remove the triggers of anxiety well there's some triggers you can remove but the ones that you can't remove that you deal with in prayer I remember when I was running a business that started out very lucrative 
and then this enemy moved in tony and a certain client of mine who was renting my cars who lived in the central london district rented a car of mine for two months and in two months drove in and out of the congestion zone every day and did not pay for it actually two and a half months so that's 80 days right and tony for some reason tfl transport for london was sending the tickets to a house that was three or four doors from my door my street not my house so tony for roughly 80 days i was incurring a fine that would eventually rise to 500 pounds per day and i didn't know about it for two and a half months and then one day I, i'm telling you let me, let me tell you guys my story and and i you know my, my wife is in the comment section if i'm lying i give her permission to shout that's a lie baby and so tony one day i was walking down my street actually i was driving down my street and there was no place to park in front of my house so i parked near my neighbor's house and they came out of their house saw the plate number on my car and literally she was a woman literally grabbed me almost slammed me against almost body slammed me against my car literally grabbed me and said so you're the one i said what do you mean and she ran and called her husband and they began to verbally accost me and i said what's going on they said why are you so mean i said what do you mean and then they brought out tony roughly 80 different penalty notices that had each now risen to roughly 500 pounds each that i was now personally responsible for And I called Transport for London and explained the situation. They said, we don't care. I said, it's your name on the car registration. And so I wrote out, you know, I took some legal advice. I wrote out representation and said, well, you know, I'm a hire firm. So this is the customer who hired our car. And they said, well, you do know that you registered the car in your personal name. I said, I'm a sole trader, I'm a sole proprietor. It wasn't a limited business. They said, we don't care because you're a sole proprietor. You can argue that in court, but we want our money. And so we are going to pursue you personally, Tony, for 500 times 80, do the math. Roughly what? 40,000 pounds. And the wickedness was, Tony, they would not let me fight each of these in one go. The most I could deal with at any one time was about seven or ten. And so I went to court for each of them on a regular basis, seven at a time. And every so often I would walk out of my house, Tony, and somebody would have put a clamp on my car, a bailiff. It got to the point where my doorbell ringing was a trigger of anxiety. I lie not to you by the spirit of the sovereign God. I came back from a service in church, Tony, one day, where I had preached powerfully, yes, here in kingdom culture, and y'all were blessed, and I prophesied, and I, if I'm not mistaken, that day at least one person was healed. It was an amazing service, and I walked through the door of my house to meet another court summons, and I sat down on my staircase, Tony, and I broke down in tears. My wife came and said, honey, what's wrong? And I showed her the paper. I said, this is another one. 
another two, another two new ones from that same period each for 500 pounds and i sat down there with a piece of paper in my hand and i began to sob and i said lord i can't take this anymore my brain is cracking so hear me i i so to the like i told you where if my bell rang if tony if a even till today till today whenever the mail comes through the door because of that season i have to catch myself from devolving into anxiety Whenever I see a bill with my name on it, someone say, So you know how I dealt with it? I went to my Bible. The same way I dealt with sexual perversion 20 years ago. He has not given me the spirit of fear, but of love power and a sound mind ladies and gentlemen this is not theology for me I took that verse like a capsule I said Lord I'm a man of God I'm a prophet I'm an apostle why am I fighting this and I realized that this spirit doesn't respect your title I went to Psalm 56 verse 3 for my second capsule. Let me put that one on the screen. Psalm 56 verse 3. And I recommend this to anybody dealing with any kind of thing similar to this. Chrissy, let's go. Psalm 56 verse 3. Not Isaiah, Psalms, Israel. Psalms 56, verse 3. Let's start from verse 1. Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He daily, he fighting daily oppresses me. You see, you see how the Bible can be real? I said, Lord, this is a government agency. I pay my taxes and they are persecuting me for something they know should not be my fault. I went to court roughly six or seven no 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 that's a bit of an exaggeration because some of them I some of them I fought legally by correspondence but I went to court at least three or four times and the truth of the matter is Tony after fighting through almost 79 hear me folks after fighting through almost 79 another letter landed in my post two weeks ago Tony it was the final PCN the same government agency that had seen me fight roughly 79 and one would not cancel the final one they said we'll see you in court tony over number 80. and this was this was i saw this the day or two after the last 12 hours of prayer and so i had to go through the process again to file an appeal and write to the court and fix a date you see how mean the devil can be that's why I told you, even till today, when my bell, when my, when, when, when my, my, my letter hatch moves. <sighs> Man daily, what oppresses me? Let's keep going. My enemies would daily swallow me up. Someone say swallow me up. How many of you know that a human being cannot physically put you in his mouth? This is the same language we see with Jesus in the boat we just looked at. The waves, the Bible said, had covered the boat. 
for there be many that fight against me, O thou most high. Verse 3. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. Tony, I quoted the scripture till my eyes popped out. What time I am afraid, I will trust in you. I quoted the scripture again in the season of my life where I was fighting depression at how people I'd invested my entire life in were treating me. To the point, Tony, where if my phone rang and you said you wanted to speak to me at that point, I would be afraid that you were about to break my heart. That's why even till today, I, I'm, I'm undressing myself in public, right? When you, when you tell me, oh, P.O. Rev, I want, to, I, I want to have a meeting with you. I have to fight feelings of anxiety. What do you want to say? And so, whatever time I am afraid, I will trust in you. It's a capsule. I'll take it. Lord, you are the strength of my life. You are the source of my strength. You are the essence of my sense of value. It doesn't matter what anybody says, what anybody does. It doesn't matter who abandons me or walks away from me. When my father and my mother forsake me, you will take me up. And you do it again and again and again. Are you hearing me, somebody? And it is that battle, that thorn, that has to a large degree created whatever in this man you see that you admire. Because what to you may just be normal, to God is a sacrifice of praise. God understands that this consecration from this man is worth double from a person who doesn't have these triggers or these traumas. So when after having been abused sexually as a child and the fight that led to sexual purity, that process of coming to sexual purity created an anointing because there was a thorn in the flesh and his grace meant that his strength are you hearing me somebody so that struggle was not designed to kill you it came to prevent you from being hyperiro but god allowed it because he knew that you had the grace from him to win that war and to enforce your hyperiro Lift your hands. Let's pray one more time as we bring tonight to a close. Oh, Jesus. Hello, come on. Pray the Holy Ghost, somebody. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Iko rapa tonende bra asketiti. Givredo, givredo, givredo. Come on, somebody. Givredo, givredo. Iquanande de bedis cabadadae. Zige de de boronde de breskitanando roboho shavadadaila. Esava, esava, esava. Reketulabrado jevedidi. Iquanande de boho shadahalia. Oh, we give you glory. We give you honor and praise now and forever. And I belong to you. 
and now and forever Lord, this much is true And I belong to you For you have not given me a spirit of fear But of love Of power And a sound mind Come on, tell him somebody I am not forgotten I am not abandoned Hey I am not abandoned Lord you know my name Whatsoever time I am afraid I will trust in you. I will trust in you, oh Jesus. Ijabadele komanze brati. Oh Jesus. Ikwadadi endorobo shtavadi la. Aiko. Aiko levretis kabale ishkodolia. E palade kabolia. Oh Jesus Oh Jesus Ninderi Bahadi Ooh Ikataba Ikataburi ende Father, I cry out for everybody under the sound of my voice. Dealing with the scourge of a mental health difficulty or situation. Thank you for the wisdom that medical science gives us in how to address it. With diet, with, with exercise, with meditation, with mindfulness and all the other beautiful things which can actually be lifted from your word. Each of these things, Lord, can be traced to a spiritual instruction from scripture. But Lord, tonight we come to arrest a spirit. We say no more will the sons of Yeshua be limited in this way. No more, no more, no more. No more, Jesus. For the time has come for hyperiro. Lord, in this season of Bukhar, every demonic measure every sphere of normalcy and mediocrity oh that the enemy lord has drawn around your people to keep us from the fullness lord of all that you have ordained us to be we come against in the name of jesus 
oh we come against in the name of jesus lord i speak healing now to minds and hearts and souls and spirits healings lord healing 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 let your will you said you wish above all things through your son paul that we would prosper and be in health even as our souls prosper father i command tonight that every soul under the sound of my voice will and must prosper that every soul under the sound of my voice will and must prosper every soul under the sound of my voice prospers father let lost seasons lost times lost destinies lost resources in the spirit lost relationships lost opportunities due to attacks on the mind and the heart trauma pain you know rejection depression depression anxiety mental incapacity arrested development dementia dyslexia everything that comes under this banner father let there be a sevenfold restoration in this season you said he that has control over his spirit is stronger than one that takes it than than one that takes a city and he that has no control over his spirit is like a broken down city without walls father every broken down wall in our lives that has been uh, 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 abused by the enemy to attack purpose and destiny Lord, we fortify and rebuild the hedges tonight in the name of jesus let the blood speak let yeshua's blood speak lord like my shauna family would say Rupara Jesus. Let the blood speak. Let it speak. Every spirit of fear operating in every life, including mine, hear the word of the Lord and be broken. You are illegal. We command you to leave and not return. Let the fullness of divine potential flourish in this season. Let minds be healed. Let the capacity to make decisions and follow through. The capacity to take action. To eschew procrastination. To take godly calculated risks. And fulfill destiny. Let that grace come upon us in the name of Jesus. Let that grace come upon us, come upon us, come upon us, come upon us. And Lord, for those who have been impaired physiologically, uh, 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 CTE, dementia, alobrocotia, Alzheimer's, Lord, diagnosable physiological conditions, spinal injuries, 
traumatic brain injuries. We command healing to in the name of Jesus. Epilepsy, seizures. Be healed in the name of Ikunayatamahatikaba. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Addictions, obsessions. Be healed. 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 In the precious name of Jesus. Somebody put your hands together for the Lord tonight. Oh, hallelujah. Now, I want you to take tonight as a weapon and a cordial into your private fight. Search the scriptures. You can use some of the ones I've, the ones I've given you, some of mine. Psalm 25. Those who look to the Lord, our faces are always radiant. We are never covered in shame. Let me let me let me show you that. Let me show Psalm. Sorry, Psalm 34, not 34, 5. Let me show, I'm just giving you some of my capsules. This is how I win my wars. Psalm 34. Let's go there real quick. Chrissy, let's, let's see if you can put this on the screen. Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Whether or not my mind agrees, I will bless him. And I will say his praise. My soul shall make a boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord. See, look. Tony, verse 4, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and they were lightened. The Hebrew says radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried. This is my story. And the Lord heard him. And saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth around them that fear him. And delivered them from what? From these troubles. This attack of fear. Go through your word and, and stand your ground. And say I am not going to be complacent because of a diagnosis anymore. I want my life back. I want my destiny back. I want my future back. I will be hyperirode. I will in this season in a godly manner be exalted beyond measure. I will forcefully receive uh, the spoil of my destiny that the enemy has held hostage. I will draw water from the wells of salvation with joy. God has not given me a spirit of fear but of love, power, and a sound mind. It doesn't matter who rejected me. It doesn't matter what has held me captive. It doesn't matter what my brain is refusing to work around. I have a spirit that overcomes that. For he has given me a grace that is sufficient for me. Are you hearing me? And his strength is now being made perfect. Being made mature. In my infirmity. Because now and forever. I belong to him. All right, ladies and gents, couple of announcements. First of all, next week, which is going to be the week 
of the next consecration journey just so you realize our next consecration journey is the passover consecration journey it starts on the 30th monday the 30th of may exactly five days from now and we're going to be meeting every 7 p.m every 12 noon every 7 p.m and because it's a seven day no 21 day journey it's, con it's condensed we're going to be meeting every tuesday and friday so a pentecost not passover thank you chrissy the pentecost consecration journey we're also we're going to be meeting every uh every tuesday and friday at 12 at 11 p.m why because we're going to be pressing into our book car. but next week at the quorum we're going to be dealing with the issue how to hear from god Pre biblical principles of divine guidance um, we need to end this malaise of Christians making errors because of an ungodly understanding on how God speaks. Why is it important to hear from God? How do you hear from God? And how do you go about it? We're going to deal with all that. Right? This Saturday, the Kingdom Congress, the first of the year, is live. We're talking about generational shifts and mantle transfers. There is a shift going on in the body of Christ and you and I would do well to be a part of it. So let's talk about how this shift will take place. What are the signs of it and how you and I can position ourselves. I've got two of my mentors in the house. Well, one is in the house physically. You guys can come to the studio if you want. Uh, uh, one's going to be in the physical studio. The other will be joining us uh, via technology. Bishop Bob Alonga and Dr. Edward Addison. It's going to be something special. So spread the word. Amen. And next week, Saturday, the 4th of June, to bring to an end the Pentecost consecration journey, we're back at it. Someone say we're back at it. Now, um, let, me, let, me, let me share with you, you know, I had a conversation with one of my people, uh, one of my real, real people. You know, you know somebody's your real person when you can literally be, be what's the word now? Be blunt with them. So I took a bit, a bit of a whip to a child of mine today and they proved that they were my child by taking it like a man slash woman, depending on who they are. Um, but there's something about this week coming that I know is going to fulfill divine prophecy we've been carrying since last year. Because the level of mental and emotional attack that has been sent the way of this coming week where my life is concerned is frightening. I was telling somebody yesterday that I... I was at a point where I was going to, I was going to petulantly just cancel it and say, well, since everything is falling around, falling apart around it, and people are, are, are playing into that satanic attack, I'm, I'm going to just down tools. But we won't. Uh, and whatever the troubles or the issues are logistically or personal wise, we will gather to pray for twelve hours next week. Amen. Because we will shift into a season of Bukhar. And if you are at risk of being punked by the enemy, if you are trivializing the importance of this coming week, for whatever reason, depression, emotion, distraction, or the things you think are more important, I want you to think again. We're at the doorstep of divine purpose. Don't miss out or postpone your transition on the edge of Canaan. 
and so we're back next week to finish the consecration journey we start this monday and next week saturday and sunday 12 hours of prayer on saturday in the embassy studio and then we're uh where the sunday is actually going to be in the embassy studio as well um because we are shifting and we want to do it at home amen somebody hold the neighbor's hand let's bring tonight to a close if you stuck around till the end give yourself a round of applause it seems to happen that the final day of every series we take a bit more time but it's worth it isn't it father all that you begun tonight is permanent in the name of jesus every victory that you have wrought or begun will be brought to complete and permanent manifestation thank you for a season of divine hyperiro every thorn in the flesh every 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 demonic assailing of our minds and emotions we shut down in the glory we give you thanks and praise for a season of divine peace and quiet in the mind and the mental space for restoration of lost stolen or diminished potential because of this for creative miracles brain cells being restored traumatic brain injuries being reversed physiological impairments being supernaturally repaired and the blood of jesus speaking as jesus rebukes the winds and the seas that fight our minds and emotions we give you thanks and we give you praise in jesus name i'll see everybody tomorrow for those of you who don't realize we have uh, uh the prayer culture um apostolic hub we have daily prayer meetings that go on starting from 6 30 a.m every day 6 30 12 noon 7 p.m and twice a week at 11 p.m uh, if you want to join the telegram channel for the hub to be in the know the details will be on your screen uh, finally if you would like to give to any of the things we do kingdom culture the quorum prayer culture anything if you want to be a blessing financially you want to sow into this ground the details are on your screen as well uh, in the words of uh, of a son of mine do well to do well love you guys i will see you around <laughs>